Comets in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Renovations Press, support them on Patreon. You'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Renovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Indie Comics Spotlight show where we take a look at an ongoing series of graphic novel from a company other than the big two. I'm your host, Tony Farina. Now, once again, welcome back to Hidden Gems. Now, I teased this at the end of my last episode, my first episode of Hidden Gems a few weeks back, that I was going to dig deep and do a somewhat spoiler-free love letter, gushy love fest of a Vertigo title, which of course is technically a DC title. And I'm really brushing up against my own rules here of not covering the big two because the story we're gonna discuss today definitely takes place in the DC universe, but it is a Vertigo title. And this book just needs some love and it got canceled and it makes me sad. And so I just want to spend some time with it. I got to review, review every issue for DC Comics News, and I will link to some of my reviews there. Uh, it started in 2018. It ended in 2020. 23 issues. Two writers. Tom Fowler is the artist. He does have some uh, additional help as the series went on, but it's mostly a Tom Fowler-drawn series. And uh, it is just gorgeous and perfect and everything that I love about indie comics. And so while it is technically in the DC universe, because it's Vertigo, and as we've discussed, Steve, Max, you guys say Vertigo is indie. So here we go. So I want you to get in your time machine with me and go back to a time where you can remember this young, pasty skin dark-haired boy with round glasses who had the potential to be the world's greatest magician. And then he had to go through trials and tribulations and all kinds of crazy things to finally decide if he wants to be the chosen one, if he wants to be the center of the magic universe. And if that sounds super familiar, then you are obviously thinking about the 1990 book written by Neil Gaiman called Books of Magic, where the star is a one Tim Hunter, who all of that that I just described happens to. So yes, it's true that six or seven years before the first Harry Potter book dropped, Neil Gaiman had created a miniseries called Books of Magic for Vertigo, Karen Berger, you know, the queen. Um, And the thing about it is, It was so inventive. It was so amazing. And it was clearly Vertigo, but it was also in the DC universe. Tim has to meet the, Tim is, meets up in the original miniseries. Tim meets up with the Trench Coat Brigade, John Constantine, Spectre, Phantom Stranger, magicians in trench coats. And they show him around the magic part of the DC universe, the Vertigo universe. And 
has him decide if he wants to be the world's greatest magician. And he ultimately decides that he will, which leads to a 75 issue series, ongoing series um, that ran from, uh, let's say the mid nineties to probably around 2000. And then it ended. Then in 2018, the Sandman universe was relaunched by Vertigo. And so there were several titles, Books of Magic, The Dreaming, um, House of Whispers, Lucifer. This Cat Howard written, Cat Howard, who's a fantasy writer, who is just really amazing. This is her first run at a comic book, which is spectacular. To say, the first time I'm ever going to write a comic book, it's not only going to be a Neil Gaiman property, but I'm going to crush it and own it is stunning. And as I said, the artist was Tom Fowler. And what they do is they take Tim's signature look, which is, again, everything you think of what Harry Potter looks like, Tim Hunter looked like first. Okay, he's even got an owl. It's insane. Mad Hetty is in this. Um, and if you are familiar with the Constantine or Constantine, as Sandman says himself, universe and the Sandman universe, deaths, high cost of living, Mad Hetty's in that. She's an amazing character who is sort of immortal. She shows up in here. She knows things about magic. And so what happens is Cat Howard and then later at the end, David Barnett finishes up the series in the last six, five or six issues tells a story of a young boy who is just that, a boy who is dealing with what it means to be a boy, but also what it means to be a magic wielder. And so his mom is missing. His dad is depressed. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of friends. The girl that he likes thinks he's weird. There's a bully who in some faraway shots looks a lot like Conan O'Brien, which I always just found really funny. It's just like, hey, here's what a young Conan O'Brien would look like if he were a dick. And of course, Conan O'Brien, as far as we know, isn't a dick, but uh, the villain of this piece, Airport's villain of this piece is. And the, the, the thing that I love about the reboot of Books of Magic and why I feel it just didn't get any love was that it wasn't necessarily just about the magic. There would be issues upon issues where really almost no magic happened. And it's just about a boy trying to find himself. And I think what makes this work above all else and why the story is so glorious is that we've all been there, boy, girl, non-binary. Everybody has been at a point in time in his or her life where we weren't sure what the fuck we were doing. We had no idea who we were. We weren't sure what our calling was. We didn't know how to move on to the next stage of life. We were trying to move from being a geeky middle schooler who plays with action figures. I'm not saying I'm looking in a mirror while I'm saying that, but I may be into a high schooler who also is kind of geeky and reads and still kind of wants to have action figures, whether you played with them or not, you still kind of wanted them around. And I did anyway. I mean, obviously I was talking about myself there. And so you listener, you may say, oh yeah, I remember that time in high school where I struggled with growing up a little bit, not growing up where you're acting like a crybaby and holding your breath and throwing a fit. Although we've all done our fair share of that, right? Everybody's done that at a different point in time in, in their lives. The thing about this is that Tim Hunter has this thing that he needs to do. He's hunting for his mom. He has a quest. People are out to get him. Rose, Dr. Rose is there and she is kind of his magical guardian. And there's different characters that pop in. Constantine shows up. Constantine shows up in here. 
all kinds of magic workers show up in here. And I don't want to give too much away because again, I don't want to spoil. But what I do want to talk about is the reason that this book worked for me and I think why it didn't work is that, and why it's a hidden gem, is that again, people thought, oh, it's, it's the Sandman universe. It's going to be this big thing with epic tales and magic quests and it's going to be, well, it's called Books of Magic, so it's going to be magical, but it isn't necessarily. Of course, magic happens in every episode, every issue, excuse me, and there's some amazing things that happen in the library at Tim's school, which is kind of disheartening because I'm married to a librarian. I love books. And it's it's hard when the librarian in any story is evil. We never want to see the librarian as evil, but there's an evil librarian in here. And it, it is just, there are some glorious ideas and concepts in here. But the root of it all is all of these characters, starting with Tim and all of his friends and enemies, everybody is just trying to figure out life. We don't understand ourselves. To each of us, to me, to you, everybody out there, the decision to grow up, the decision to be the next thing in your life is a quest for you. It may not involve having a screwdriver that you use as a magic wand, like Tim does. It may not mean that your mom may or may not be good or evil and a magic user. It may not mean that the principal at your school may be one of the most powerful wizards and witches, or witch, I guess, Rose, in the, in the universe. It, it may not be that you eventually, and this is true, friends, you may not get to meet Destiny and look at Destiny's book. So those of you who just listened to Superhero for Dummies, my question for Superhero for Dummies was, would you read Destiny's book? And the guys all had a chat about that. Tim's friends, air quote, the other characters in this book, I'll say, have the opportunity to read Destiny's book. And it's insane. And when you're 15 or you're 16, don't you kind of want to read Destiny's book? Don't you know? Aren't you every day sucks, right? We think back on our childhoods and a lot of people say, oh man, if I could go back, I would totally want to relive my childhood. Not me, not me. I don't want to relive my childhood. And I, I used to say, if I could get in a time machine, I could get in a DeLorean and go back and meet my 16 year old self. I'd punch myself right in the nose for being such an asshole. But I don't think I would do that either because I'm not, I don't, I mean, my neighbors probably think I'm an asshole and that's fine. That's not the issue. It's that me being an asshole when I was 16 has made me be this person now that I am in my forties. And I don't think I'm an asshole. I think I'm a pretty good person. I think I'm a, I think so. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I don't suck totally, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so what I love about this book is that it makes me think about those things. It makes me think about the decisions I made in high school. And what I love about Tim and his frenemies in this book is that they all do things completely earnestly. They never think about, I'm doing this to be evil. Well, the one kid who looks like Conan O'Brien, he kind of does. But for the most part, everybody has good intentions because we all kind of do when we're dumb young teenagers we think we know what we're doing we think we have it all figured out and we're afraid to admit that we don't and what we see in this book is these kids who are dealing with huge problems real truly huge magical problems but at the root of it all they're just kids and so there's this amazing metaphor in books of magic about what it means to be a teenager and what it means to grow up and make that turn and I'm not suggesting that if you make the wrong turn when you're 16, that you're going to turn out to be some sort of 
evil monster when you're 45 or 60 or whenever. What I am saying is the decisions we make when we're 16 matter. And we do these things, we make mistakes, we fall down, we get kicked in the teeth, and then we pick ourselves up and say, okay, well, what did I learn from that? And what we what we see with Tim is we watch him learning in real time. He has this power, but don't all teenagers have powers? Don't we all have skills that we were the best at when we were that age? I played American football in, in high school and I went on to play in college and I was probably better in college than I was in high school, but it was when I was 16 that that skill set really became noticeable or I wouldn't have been recruited, I wouldn't have played at the next level, right? It's not that I was the best then, but that it was coming. This was a thing, this was magic to me to be able to go from kid who could trip over his own feet and be lucky to stand up at the end of practice to being good enough to be the starting linebacker to, to do these things that at the time seemed like magic. And really in hindsight, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit how many tackles I had in high school? Who gives a shit about any of that? I don't care. I didn't even play all four years in college. I didn't enjoy it in college. The players there all were still thinking they were 16, right? They were all still trying to live in that moment of this. I'm the greatest thing that ever was. And they couldn't get past themselves. And what we see with Tim is him trying to come with real power, not just I'm good at sports or I'm good at writing or I'm good at art or I'm good at singing or the things that we figure out when we're 16, we have to then, how do we use those for the rest of our lives? And Kat Howard, and then later David Barnett, make us take a look at that in such an amazing, thoughtful way. And I love this book so much. I just think that Books of Magic has always been not about magic, that any story about a teenager, any coming of age story is of course about more than just the other thing. Every one of these books that you read today that have all been turned into movies, and I read a lot of YA fiction. I think YA fiction is great. I'm working on a novel right now that is a work of YA fiction. And I think there's something to the the perspective of a kid that age. The whole world is, in Tim's case, about to end, depending on what he does. But when you're 16, we all think that the world is about to end, depending on whatever our decisions we make, right? Do you choose to do this? Do you choose to do that? Where, where are you going to go? And so they capture this idea so beautifully in a story that has comic book level consequences. What is Tim going to do? What happens if the books fall into the wrong hands? What happens if he reads the wrong thing? And what I love in this story too, is there's, there's another layer of Tim's existence that comes up. And again, I don't want to spoil anything because I really want you to read this, but Tim gets the opportunity to look at his own life through his own eyes and really have a conversation with himself about where he wants to go next. And it just, every time I read this, think about this book, I just love that. And I, I think that Kat Howard and David Burnett are giving us all a treat. They're giving us all a window into ourselves and making ourselves say, well, what would I do if I were in Tim's position? How would I handle that? But the thing is, is you don't have to be magic, right? It's not about really literally being magic. It's about whatever your thing is. We all have a gift. We all have a thing. We're all good at something. Some people are good at talking. Some people are good again, good at football, good at sports, good at whatever. And how are you going to use that, that skill, that gift 
that piece of magic that's within you for whatever the next thing is. Some people are going to make podcasts. Some people are going to write books. Some people are going to become teachers. And some people are going to become scientists and whatever it is, you're all going to become a thing. You are all listening to this and you've made choices in your life and you are where you are, depending on what age you are. You've made choices and maybe you look back and maybe you're the kind of person who says, oh man, if I could go back, I could totally change what I did when I was 16 because my life sucks. Okay, but why is that? What is it? Can you make that change now? And I think what Books of Magic makes us think about is can we make that change now? doesn't matter how old we are. We don't have to make the change when we're 16. What we do when we're 16 matters to who we are, but it doesn't mean it's the only thing that we can take the choices that we make when we're 16 or 17 or 30 and adjust. And we're always growing. And I think that that may not have been Kat Howard's intention when she wrote this book, but it's what I get. And of course, the, the tagline of this is we're going to do a deep dive. And while I'm sitting here talking to myself in my office on a Sunday night, the thing about it is I can't help but think about Tim and think about myself and think about what Kat Howard is asking me to do and asking us all to do. And so the reason that I wanted to spend some time highlighting this 23 book isn't because you were like, hey, book's magic, Sandman universe, cool. Let's spend some time there. It's not just about that. It's that, of course. You should always want to read stuff about the Sandman universe. Do you think the best art makes us think about ourselves? And I think science fiction and fantasy does something that the regular books can't do. Regular, not straight, it's not about straight people, but straight, like there's no magic. It's just a standard work of fiction. We can always reflect on ourselves in that, and it's right on the nose. It's text. Science fiction and fantasy is subtext. It's a story about magic. What is it really about? And I just love it. And every new adventure that Tim has, every new thing that his friends think they know, his frenemies is what I should be continuing to call them. Every new adventure that his frenemies think they know about Tim turns out that they're wrong. Oh, wonder, wonder if anybody's ever been 16 and totally misjudged another 16 year old based on or based on something someone else said or because he's dressed weird or whatever. And that's the thing that I love about Tim is Tim is, if you were to say, create the most generic boy in the world generic, boring boy. You have this white boy with glasses, with brown hair. He's just normal. He's, he's the most normal fictional character you can think of. He's like, if you're playing a video game, and I don't play a lot of video games, but you know, he's the basic avatar, right? He's just the generic one. He's the egg that it used to be on Twitter when you first line in. It's just like, he's a blank avatar. He's nothing. He's just a blank nothing. But underneath that, there's layers. He can just be the most plain looking, boring looking thing. But throughout the story, he's ostracized. He is mocked. And it's, well, wait, why would the white kid, the straight white kid, why would he be an outcast? He shouldn't be an outcast. And I think what's so brilliant about this is that he is, he's the kid who looks like the avatar. He's the kid who looks like the generic person, but he has got layers. And we all have layers. And that's what we're supposed to look at. Everything that Neil Gaiman has created is never just one thing. It's always, there's more there. You can look at it and you can go, oh, I see this thing. It's A, but it's also B through Z or Z, as my British friends say. The, the idea is we're not supposed to just see things for what they are. Great art is layers. 
And that's what this story is. And so I keep mentioning Tom Fowler. So I would be remiss if I didn't spend some time talking about Tom Fowler's art in this book. Tom Fowler's art in Books of Magic is, in this, is simply, and I know it's too fine a point to say, it's magic. It is glorious. I love the lines. I love the, the almost painted quality of these books. The covers are all spectacular too. But what Tom Fowler does is, he gives us dimension. And so here's what's happening in the foreground, but oh, what's happening in the corner over here? Or look at the look on Tim's face, but then look over in this other part of the panel and the way that his dad is looking. His dad in particular is such a fascinating character because he's broken because his mom is missing. This isn't giving too much away that Tim's mom is missing. And so his dad is broken and some argue that it's magic and we see different things that happen to him, but it's also just, we see a picture of a man going through something hard, losing somebody he loved while trying to be a good dad to Tim, but he can't be. And so he doesn't talk a lot. Cat Howard doesn't give him a lot to say. But Tom Fowler tells us everything we need to know with some heartbreaking images of Tim's dad. And I think that's some of his best work is just a guy sitting in a chair. And I know that seems silly to say, you're like, you've got magic. And Destiny's in this book and Constantine's in this book. How can the best thing that this guy does is an old man sitting in a chair? I mean, that's the thing. He's not even an old man. He's a man who's been made old. He's a middle-aged man who has aged terribly because of horrific circumstances that have happened. And that's what makes this layered. There's some splash pages in this that I, I beg you when you go and, and pick up this book, Hoopla Digital, shill, shill, shill for Hoopla Digital. But when you go pick up this book, whether it's on Hoopla or Comicsology or wherever you pick it up, I beg you to not rush through it. It's only 23 issues. And again, Kat Howard is really efficient with her words. She's a novelist. And so she could fill up every page with words and words and words, but she doesn't. She, she writes a script. She has an image in her mind. She lets Tom Fowler visually tell a story. So there'll be sometimes a 23-page issue that has 70 words in it. So you could read through it in three minutes if you wanted to, but don't, I beg you not to. Take your time every panel and look and see what Tom Fowler is doing. I promise you that there is a whole different story happening there. And so for me, when I read this and reviewed it for DC Comics News, one of the things I always talked about was the way that Tom Fowler gave us a second part of the story. And isn't that also part of what we're trying to do with this book is we're trying to say it's a thing, but it's another thing. It's a story about a magic wielder, but he's also a teenage boy who's struggling through life. And so it's not just about magic, but it's also just about life and trying to grow up and trying to figure out your next thing. So we can't just have one thing be the thing. We can't just say, this is what it is. You know, it's like, it's easy enough to say, oh, you know, Hulk is Hulk. He's just this big angry thing. And so that's boring. Well, that would be a misrepresentation of what Hulk is, right? But on its surface, it's like, well, there's this guy. And when he gets mad, he turns into the Hulk. And so he's either the smartest guy in the universe or this big punchy machine. But why is that? And what are the layers there? And that's the thing with Tim Hunter. He's not just one thing, he's these other things. So Tom Fowler gives us layers. And there's also, also as I mentioned earlier, these other kids, these frenemies of his, and these other people that he runs into and Mad Hetty. And it's like, you see Hetty's facial expressions when she's talking to Tim and when she's not talking to Tim. And you see Dr. Rose's expression when she's talking to Tim and when she's talking about Tim. That's really amazing is when Rose and Tim are interacting, the way that she looks at him and the way she handles him and the look on her face is totally different than when she's talking to other people about Tim. Tom Fowler nails it. And the nuance 
is there. It's subtle. It's beautiful. It is glorious. Uh, I cannot tell you enough how sad I am to see that this book ended. When I'll be frank too, Cat Howard was just when she left the book, I was a little bit heartbroken. And David Barnett came in. He had this short. It was supposed to just be originally just a, a little two-part series and then the series got canceled so he finished it up and so he had yeoman's work because it's supposed to be cat howard did her 18 issues and then she handed it off to david and then who knew what was going to happen but it got canceled so david finished it off so to take 18 issues of this stuff that cat howard did plus this two little issue arc that he wrote which was glorious Ugh, it's like a magical musical festival i can't tell you just those two issues standalone are so fun then he had to tie it all together and finish it up in three issues and he did an amazing job and it was definitely rushed it wasn't his fault but i forgive it because you have to deal with editors you have to deal with page count whatever so i don't want to give anything away with how it ends all i can say to you is please 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 go out, go to Comixology. I'm going to put links to Goodreads. Okay. So the reason I put links to Goodreads is because Goodreads gives you the opportunity to buy the book. And it also gives you the opportunity to find it at your local library. Goodreads is awesome. So when you go to Goodreads, you see the title, you click the drop-down menu and it'll say, here's where you can buy it. Barnes Noble, my bookshop, Amazon, wherever. And then you can also see where your local library, if it has it. But again, I have to tell you, as I keep saying, Hoopla Digital, if you don't have Hoopla Digital, seriously, what is wrong with you? Google Digital, link it up. All of these books are there. All of the Neil Gaiman Sandman books are there, but these in particular are all there and you should get them and read them. And then when you're done reading them through Google, you're like, well, I want to read those again and again. I only have so many checkouts here. I should probably just go buy them. That's what I would recommend. I would recommend you just buy this series because it is spectacular, but you're not sure. That's what libraries are for, man. They're there for you to go check things out and try them. So I want you all to go read Books of Magic because it is magic. Our lives are magic. That's the lesson that we're learning. That's the deep dive here. Cat, David, Tom Fowler, of course, Neil Gaiman, who created Tim Hunter in the first place. They want us to understand that life is magic and that we all have choices and we can all choose who we wanna be. And that when we're kids, everything seems like it's the end of the world. In Tim's case, it actually is the end of the world, but in your case, it isn't, but it feels like it is. And they're giving that life and they're giving that justification. And they're saying to you, it's okay to feel like everything is the end of the world because to you it is. And it's just beautiful and I love it. And I, I, again, I just can't say enough how much I'm sad that this book ended. So. It's relatively new, easy to get your hands on, Hoopla Digital, Amazon, Comixology, wherever. Buy it direct from DC. I don't care where you get it. Go to a local bookshop and order these. Pick these books up. They are amazing. So 2018's Books of Magic series, run, don't walk, okay? So that's that. That's my wrap up on Books of Magic. I hope you enjoyed listening to me rant and rave. I'm sure I repeated myself in there. I love this book. And it just makes me feel all the feels, as the kids say. And it is something that I want you to read and I want you to love the way that I love it. And if you've never read the Sandman universe before, it doesn't matter. You didn't read the original book of magic. It's okay. You don't need to read them all to pick this up. I didn't read the entire run of the original books of magic series. It jumped around a lot. And I feel like there's some really good runs in there and there's lesser runs in there. And who knows what would have happened to this if it had gone past 23 issues. 
but I love these 23 issues and I didn't need any previous knowledge. It's a story that we can all relate to. We've all been 16 at some point in time. We've all literally felt like the world was on our shoulders, whether it literally was or not. And for the most of us, it was not literally on our shoulders, but we thought that. The reason people misuse literally all the time is because we were all kids. And when we're kids, we think everything is the end of the world. We think everything is literal. And so there's just so much love for this book that I have. And I just want you to go pick it up. So get it, read it, love it. So I hope you enjoyed this second edition of Hidden Gems. Please reach out to me. I am on Twitter at Tricycle Boombox. If you have a hidden gem you want me to talk about, you know what to do. Send me a message there. If you're like, hey, I'm not on Twitter. That's okay. Go to my website, arfarina.com. Send me a message there and I will say, hey, yeah, let's do that. Send me some ideas for Hidden Gems. Tell me how you think the Hidden Gems show could get better. Tell me how you think the Hidden Gems show could get worse and tell me what not to do. Be like, hey, have a point. Maybe you should make some notes. It was clear that you were just ranting and raving there and you said the same thing over and over. That may be, but you know, I'm okay with saying that because this book, this is how it makes me feel. I think it's important. Sometimes the best thing to do is repeat yourself, right? So send me those messages. Of course, what I need you to do most importantly is subscribe. If you're not subscribed to Comics in Motion already, why not? What are you doing? Be subscribed to Comics in Motion. Listen to the rest of the shows. We've got these guys, this amazing bunch of people on Comics in Motion. And I can't thank Chris and Dave enough for inviting me on. And everybody else who's here is amazing. And we all have amazing shows. We all have interesting things to say. And this is just what happens when nerds get together and do a love letter to the art. Get on here. There's something different every day all kinds of stuff. It's so great. I just, I love being part of this team. So thank you guys for everything. It's, it's fantastic giving me this platform to sit here and rant and rave about a, a comic book that according to sales figures, hardly anyone read. I looked at the sales figures and I was pretty sad to see that I think only a couple of months ever did it crack 10,000 sales. And let's try to get that number up with the collected editions by you going out there and getting that, and getting no kickback. From anybody. I just think it's important. I think art is important. I think these stories are important. I think they have a lot to say about us, about people. Science fiction and fantasy are great mirrors to us and books of magic is a great mirror. So send me a message, like, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, rate us anywhere. Give us a rating that helps get stuff out there. If you think that we're doing a great job and you want other people to know, that's the best thing you can do is pay it forward. Retweet these things, get people out there, read more comics, as Josh always says from DC Comics News and the gang over the DC Comics News podcast say, read more comics at the end. And I totally agree. So thanks everybody for listening. This has been a delight for me. I love to just sit and rant and rave and talk about a book that I love. So upcoming, the next issue, uh, issue I said, see, I said episode earlier and I'm saying issue, haha. The next episode of Hidden Gems is going to be uh, an image book called Assassination. It's a five-issue miniseries that was pretty hysterical and biting. And one of my favorite lines of the last, I'd say, five years in comics is in there. And I will talk about it when we get there in a few weeks. So thanks for listening. Give me some feedback. I look forward to seeing everybody next time. Thanks.